0: I'd like to call to order the regular formal meeting of the Iowa City City Council for November the 6th, 2018. Roll call, please.
1: Cole. Here. Mims. Here. Sully. Here. Taylor. Here. Teague. Here. Thomas. Here. Morton
0: Here. Item two, student leadership awards. Kelly, am I right? None of the students are here.
2: I did not see any.
0: Okay. Uh, well, Stay. too bad. I, I'm, I'm going to state their names because... They would have been awarded had they been able to be here. Uh, One is Luciano Cardoza-Torres. Another is Elim Michael. And the third is Cynthia Nava, all from Alexander Elementary. So I'm sure they've done really good work uh, down at Alexander. And uh, 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 I wish they'd been able to be here with us. Okay, item three, proclamations. The first has to do with Hunger and Homelessness Awareness Week. Bear with me for a second. Whereas hunger and homelessness remain one of our nation's most pressing domestic issues, and whereas this proclamation is an endeavor to educate and promote awareness about issues surrounding hunger and homelessness, and to inspire action and advocacy on behalf of people with food insecurities and who lack a permanent home, and whereas the plight of hunger and homelessness is an issue faced daily by hundreds of men, women, and children, throughout our own community, and whereas food insecurity and hunger stem from poverty and a lack of reliable income sources, and whereas homelessness is the result of a complex set of circumstances that push people into poverty and force impossible choices between food, shelter, and other basic needs, and whereas there are many organizations, including the Local Homeless Coordinating Board, which are committed to sheltering and providing supportive services, as well as meals and food supplies to people in need. And whereas there has been steady progress to end hunger and homelessness through the collaborative efforts of our community, and we continue to work towards developing resources and capacity to meet the needs of people who are homeless and hungry, and thereby offer them hope, opportunity, and dignity. Now, therefore, I, James A. Throgmorton, mayor of Iowa City, do hereby proclaim November the 10th through the 18th to be Hunger and Homelessness Awareness Week in Iowa City, Iowa, and urge all citizens to join in recognizing the important roles we each can play in making a difference in the lives of men, women, and children who experience hunger and homelessness in our community. Is there someone to accept this proclamation, like maybe Ryan Bilk?
3: Thank you. Uh, My name is Ryan Belk. I'm a social worker uh, with the Department of Veterans Affairs. So as a direct service provider to the vulnerable populations mentioned uh, within the homelessness and um, uh, food insecure uh, populations, Uh, also a community member here in Iowa City, um, and as a representative of the local homeless coordinating board. Uh, it is very encouraging to know that we have, uh, A, the affirmation that there is an issue, um, B, that there, uh, is support, um, here from the local governance. Um, so again, thank you for, for offering the support and promoting our cause. I would also like to take the time to plug, uh, an, a, an annual event that we are hosting next Thursday, November 15th at the Robert A. Lee Rec Center. Um, it's a resource fair directed toward, uh, individuals and families experiencing homelessness and food insecurity. Uh, resources that provide services for uh, mental health, uh, substance abuse, um, medical care, there would be veteran services, um, employment services, uh, shelter services, um, housing referrals, and things of that nature. So if you know of anyone that may benefit from uh, a resource fair of that nature, next Thursday um, doors will open at 10 o'clock till 3 p.m. at Robert Ailey Rec Center. So again, thank you for uh, the promotion of this cause and offering support for our local neighbors. Thanks. Great. Thank you, Ryan.
0: All right. Our second proclamation concerns National Native American Heritage Month. Whereas long before European settlers arrived in North America, Native Americans, Alaska Natives, and Native Hawaiians had built thriving societies based upon principles we recognize today as to be emulated and reclaimed, among them sustainability and community. And whereas, while Native Americans, Alaska Natives, and Native Hawaiians have suffered from unjust treaties, discriminatory policies, and atrocious governmental actions, they have nevertheless contributed in countless ways to the success of this country. And whereas exemplars of Natives who have contributed include the code talkers of World Wars I and II, citizens like Mary Golda Ross, the first female Native American rocket scientist who began working for Lockheed in 1942, and specialist Lori Piestawa, the first Native American service woman killed in action during Operation Iraqi Freedom and whereas we honor our Native peoples and recognize them for strengthening the diversity of our society. Now, therefore, I, James A. Throgmorton, Mayor of the City of Iowa City, Iowa, do hereby proclaim November 2018 to be National Native American Heritage Month and encourage all residents to learn more about the Native heritage of this country and to commemorate this month with appropriate programs and activities. Joe?
4: Oh, buzho, Welcome, my friends, in my native Potawatomi, Anishinaabe language. Uh, I want to thank you, Mayor, and all of the council uh, for what you've done and for this excellent proclamation, and to uh, commend you for your leadership last year in declaring the second Monday of October as Indigenous People's Day. This led to a successful effort to have the state declare Indigenous People's Day. Uh, so, McQuetch, McQuetch, kichir McQuetch. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Thank you, Joe. All right.
0: Item four, special presentations. I think we have Josh Schamberger to discuss Jingle Cross and related stuff.
5: You <laughs> bet. Hi, Josh. Thank you, Mayor and Council. I appreciate the time, and again, to visit with you, and thank you for all of the continued support uh, are in the annual UCI Telenet Cyclocross World Cup, which, as you know, happens here in Iowa City. And uh, as you also know, many of you, um, just this past year, you know, Iowa City was recognized uh, not just as the best in North America, but the best in the world and received uh, the, the President's Cup, which I know for a while was here at the, at the city and is now located over at the county. So Jingle Cross has become just an excellent... Annual tradition here for the city of Iowa City uh, and for Johnson County. It just recently wrapped up its 16th year. Uh, it's the first 13 years uh, were put on by a. Uh, a doctor who now lives in Seattle, Dr. John Meehan, who who uh, created this opportunity for the city and continues to take two or three weeks of vacation to come back and put it on uh, with the support of our team and, and many other people in the community for this community. And, and since day one, after 16 years, every single dollar that's been ever raised from this event has been donated to the Children's Hospital, which is which is pretty remarkable. Uh, certainly, there's no other event in the world that, that does something like that. So uh, we were fortunate with with uh, a great event again this year uh, this the, the end of September uh, the UCI left all of their stuff here and hoping that we will put in another <laughs> bid that remains to be determined if we don't they said they'll pay to have it shipped back to Switzerland uh, but uh, they're they're hopeful that they will be able to figure it out and come back next year so there are many people with the city and the county that that play a big role in making this possible and I just think it's always important that we show up and make sure you know who they are, and, and, you know, that starts with Jeff and Ashley and Simon and the team in the city manager's office. I know many of you come out there. I've seen you at the event. Uh, you, you play a big support role, uh, but, but so do people like Mark Rummel, uh, who was a huge help again with shuttles. The, your Iowa City Airport director, Michael Tharp, uh, played a big role in helping us. You know, we got some rain, so we had to open up that old, unused runway for some parking and shuttling, and that was a, a real big deal. Darian Nagel-Gam is one of the biggest advocates we have for this event because she also is strong enough to ride in it and do really <laughs> well. So that's a big deal. And and many other people in the community. The, this, the the county and city collaboration on this event is remarkable and probably the thing that I'm most proud of. So uh, Nick Pfeiffer is here with me. And as in every year, we, we try and bring a little memento from the event that kind of captures the year that you can hang somewhere at the city. And this one is probably my favorite one of any of the years that we've brought you a little thank you gift because it is a it is a photograph of the actual world champion Walt van Ert who's from uh, Belgium who is out just south of uh, Iowa City on San Road and he's being motopaced by by uh, a guy here who's from this community, Jason McCartney, who actually is one of the, the, probably the most recognized, accomplished professional cyclists that have ever come out of Iowa. His his mom works at the hospital. And uh, he actually has rode the big tours, won a stage at the Volta. So he was the only one we trusted that knew what he was doing with the world champion. <laughs> so he took him out, and this is a, just a beautiful photo that was captured by one of our photographers of, it's not too often you see the world champion from Belgium out right in Sand Road. Uh, so... We'd like to present this with you, and thank you again very much for all the support.
4: Mm, Great. Gosh. Thanks, Josh. Nice, nice a job. job. Thank
0: so thank you. Too bad we can't put it up here. You <coughs> <laughs> all want to take a look? Cool. Close up a look? Very nice. Nice.
2: Ah, he's taking a so photo. You can hold it and look at him. He's oh. taking a photo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. No, yeah. <laughs> i
0: want to block out Paul. <laughs> okay. Good deal. All
2: right. Let's go. Cool.
0: I'm going to set this over here. Josh, I thought maybe, uh, thought maybe you'd show us a video or something of mm-hmm. Jingle Cross and
5: the UCI World Cup. Well, we can do that next time, but you can go to the website, too, and see as many as you'd like there. <laughs> There's a lot of them, so... Yeah, it's your team a does a it.
0: fabulous job on it. Uh, it's just amazing how much energy and work you all put into it, and you do a brilliant job at it.
5: You know, you know, it's also important to note, and we'll get the numbers I think in January or February, but, you know, last year, in last year's race, there were 12.2 million people that watched that in Europe from Iowa City, Iowa for three hours. So, wow. You know, it's it's like Major League Baseball in the NFL in Europe, cycling, so it's, it's a really, really big deal, and it's pretty special that – we're one of two places in all of North America that they choose to have this event. It's great. So, yeah. great deal. Good deal. Thanks, right, Jeff. Thank you.
0: Thank you, John. All right. Moving on. Items five through ten. This is uh, the consent calendar. So, uh, could I have a motion to uh, uh, um, to adopt the consent calendar as presented or amended? So moved. Second. Moved by Soley. Seconded by Taylor. Discussion, Bruce. There was something you wanted to say.
6: I just wanted to note that um, last uh, meeting, I was uh, put on three committees, but one of the committees do not exist any longer, and that's the Criminal Justice Coordinating Committee. So, just wanted to make that notation.
0: Okie doke. Uh, I want to. Br- I'm going to bring up two uh, two specific points with regard to item 8H. Which is a resolution amending a prior contact between the City of Iowa City and HR Green, Incorporated to provide engineering consultant services for the Idle Wild Stormwater Drainage Diversion Project. Uh, I've asked Jason of our staff to explain this project and show how it's responsive to Idle Wild's concerns.
7: Sure. Jason Havel, city engineer. Um, so what this project looks to do is, uh, it, like you had mentioned, it's a stormwater diversion project looking at uh, stormwater coming from upstream of the Wild development and how we would take that um, ultimately to the Iowa River and, and downstream. Um, originally we had contracted with the consultant to take a look at that. We've um, originally had done a study phase to look at what, op- o- what options might be out there and what th- those alternatives might look like. We further contracted with them to design um, what would be our preferred alternative. Um, As part of that, they were to look at not only uh, piping or open ditch, how we would want to convey that water, but also the possibility of a pump station uh, in partnership with Idlewild's flood protection measures that they've installed, how those might work together. Um, We've gone through uh, quite a bit of study of that, Uh, again, not only of the city's project, but Idlewild's development or their flood protection as well kind of settled on what we think would be the preferred alternative and we are coming back to um basically update the consultant agreement to reflect that. The original agreement kind of made some assumptions on what we thought might be uh, part of that, and so this really just reflects it now that we have a better idea what that would be. Um, the process has included communication with Idlewild. Um it, One of their concern, obviously, is the, the pump station. Um, to help with that, we've agreed to provide the design of the preferred alternative for the pump station, and then we will bid it as an, as an alternate. Um, and then funding would be determined um, and the conversations we've had with them in the past is that they would be responsible for funding, but again, there there can be um, discussions on that once we know what that actual cost would be. Um, I I think that not only have we had conversations with them, but we also would look to continue those as we finalize the design and move forward with construction.
0: Very good. Thanks, Jason. Does anybody have any questions for Jason? No. Uh, Would anybody else in the public like to comment on this? Hi.
1: Hi. I'm Deborah Tomey. I'm the president of Idlewild. And I want to thank the city for reaching out to Idlewild and setting a meeting up with us. We are so excited about the diversion project. And our communication the last couple of weeks has been wonderful. And I do want to thank each and every one of you for that. Thanks.
0: Excellent. Glad to hear it, Deborah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's been amazing. great. Thank you. Yeah
0: terrific. Okay, the other item I just wanted to briefly mention is item 8K, which is a resolution accepting the work for the Iowa City Landfill and Recycling Center Cell fiscal year 18 cell construction project. I just wanted to note that this cell is going to cost, I think it's $1.306 million. And uh, I just want to note, these cells are really expensive. (laughs) And and, uh, which points out the importance of reducing waste from the start and then recycling what can't be reduced. <laughs> it, it would make a huge difference in terms of our need to build new cells, the cost that the, that construction uh, requires, and so on. All right. Any other commentary on the uh, on the consent calendar? If not, roll call, please. Call.
8: Yes. Mims? Yes. Sally? Yes. Taylor? Yes. Teague? Yes. Thomas?
6: Yes. Rugmore.
0: Yes. Motion carries 7-0. to zero. Item 11, community comment. Anyone in the public uh, should feel free to come forward and speak about any topic that's on their mind, but which is not on the formal meeting agenda. And this, just please come up, state your name, and take not more than five minutes to discuss whatever it is.
9: Uh, My name is John Bresnahan. Um, I'm a student at the University of Iowa. Um, The reason I'm here today is because um, I'm a transfer student, and when I first got to Iowa City, uh, I signed a lease with my apartment uh, beginning in August of 2018 to July of 2019. Uh, What happened basically was... um, my apartment manager uh, notified all of the tenants that we have to renew our lease by October 25th for the following year. And uh, what I wanted to, um, I I thought that that was very early. It's two months into my 12 month lease. I'm being required basically to sign another year lease on top of that. And after speaking to quite a few students at the University of Iowa, I found that that's uh, extremely common with off-campus housing here. Um, When I emailed my uh, landlord, She said that that's how it works in Iowa City. To paraphrase a little bit, uh, I'm trying to find the exact. Oh, it said, um, unfortunately, the unit will be shown to the public until the unit is either signed or re-signed. In Iowa City, the time for renewals comes in early October. Um, I, I kind of wanted to address this because um, I think it's a little bit unreasonable to require college students to sign a, another year lease two months into their current lease without first uh, experiencing a little bit of time in their current apartment. They're not able to make an informed decision, especially for a young adult. They might just be coerced into signing basically out of fear of losing their apartment. Um, in several other college cities, they've uh, introduced statutes to uh, limit the amount of time that landlords, um, to restrict the amount of time that landlords can solicit uh, tenants for a year renewal. In uh, New York City, for example, that's uh, not more than 150 days so that um, tenants have a chance to at least live in their apartments for a little bit before having to renew. Uh, the, other, the other thing is that, that it goes along with this is uh, I'm two months into my lease, a little more than two months in my lease, and I've had four apartment showings. And these are uh, incredibly uh, disruptive, and uh, it's not nice having strangers walk through my apartment. Um, I've only lived there for three months, and it's constant. Um, and, and in a very high-demand area, I don't see why um, they need to introduce this this early. Um, so, from the people I've talked to, there's a little bit of uh, concern about this. These were the concerns: um, that apartment complexes might not be able to fill vacancies if they didn't lease in early October. Uh, for that, I would say that in even low-demand markets, um, they're able to fill vacancies in one month or less on on average. Um, from here, it's 10 months in advance, which seems a little bit odd because it's such a high-demand area. Um, also, uh, if if they're having trouble filling vacancies, I think that would uh, actually entice them to lower the rent prices or increase the maintenance of the units. Um, if you look on uh, review sites for the uh, apartment manager, apartment complex managers in Iowa City, the reviews are pretty abysmal. Like um, a, a lot, of, there's a lot of issues with maintenance. I know there's been a lot of lawsuits, and uh, apartment management apartment management company actually had to change their name because of the lawsuits against their company. So it might it might entice uh, the conditions to be a little better. The rent to be a little bit cheaper. Um, the other thing is, uh, the other concern was if, if apartment, if uh, tenants can't walk through the apartments ten months before they sign their lease, how will they know um, where to rent? Um, with, that, with that, I would say that it actually protects tenants a little bit more because doing a walkthrough ten months before you rent an apartment doesn't accurately reflect the apartment you'll be getting. So in, in fact, uh, limiting that to, this, this is my proposal, I'm just going to cut to the chase, um, so I, I, I would I would like to like propose maybe a statute, I don't know how it works here, I'm not super familiar, I was just referred here by my, the legal office on campus. Um, that uh, th- there needs to be at least a, a 50% of the way through the lease uh, before apartment uh, managers can require basically college students to uh, sign the lease. And with the walkthroughs, I would say maybe 75% of the way through the lease, just because it's so disruptive. And there's not really a limit as long as they give you 24-hour notice, so they can theoretically schedule four, four showings a week, and they will because uh, the demand's so high here. They don't really doesn't seem like they're very responsive to our feedback at all. So, thank you.
0: Great, thanks, Sean. Uh, Eleanor, Eleanor, mm-hmm. uh, are there any state prohibitions against us influencing uh,
9: the concerns
0: that uh, Sean has just mentioned?
8: Considerable ones. I, I thought mean, so. Generally, um, the tenant-landlord relationship is governed by state law.
9: Oh, state law. Okay. So I'd go to city or state legislature.
8: I mean, I don't think okay. we could do what you've
0: what you've said New York City has done.
9: Okay, gotcha. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Makes sense. Um, Sean, you're sitting next to Gustav, right? Back there, who's our student liaison. Uh, He's informally a member of our council, a student representative to the council, so maybe the two of you could talk some more. Thank you. Yeah. All right, anyone else? All right. Seeing no one else, we move to item 12, planning and zoning matters. Item 12A, behavioral health urgent care center rezoning. This is an ordinance conditionally rezoning approximately 5.82 acres of property located at 1914 South Gilbert Street, 1805 Waterfront Drive, 260, 306, and 346 Southgate Avenue from Intensive Commercial, CI1, to neighborhood public, P1. Staff has recommended that uh, we continue the public hearing and defer first consideration to allow the applicant more time to obtain signatures for the conditional zoning agreement. So I'm going to open the public hearing. Would anybody like to address this particular topic? Okay, seeing no one, could I have a motion to continue the public hearing and defer first consideration to November the 20th?
10: So moved. Second.
0: Moved by Mem, seconded by Taylor. Discussion?
10: My understanding, because I asked uh, staff about it, is that the applicant actually has the signatures, but the county has to sign off on it before we vote on it. So, they had a challenge because there were people overseas, et cetera, that needed to sign. So it took a little extra
0: time, but now the county has to sign. Any further discussion? Hearing non-roll call, please. That's voice vote. Sorry. Thank you. Uh, All in favor, say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. Item 12B, zoning code amendment related to public art fees. This is an ordinance amending Title 14, zoning code of the Iowa City Code Related to public art fees in riverfront crossings. This is second consideration. Could I have a motion to give second consideration, please?
2: So Move. moved. Second.
0: Moved by Mims. Seconded by Salee. Discussion. Hearing none. Roll call, please. Mims, yes.
8: Salee, yes. yes. Taylor, yes. Teague, yes. Thomas, yes. Frogmartin, yes.
0: Cole? yes. Motion carries seven to zero. Item 12C, American Legion Road County Rezoning. This involves a letter to the Johnson County Planning and Zoning Commission in opposition to a rezoning from County Agricultural A to County Residential R to a proc- for approximately 11.34 acres of property located in Johnson County south of American Legion Road and west of Wapsie Avenue southeast in fringe area B outside the growth area. Could I have a motion to approve, please? So moved. Second. Moved by Mem. Seconded by Thomas. Discussion. Danielle.
11: Good evening, Mayor. Danielle Sitzman, NDS. I'll uh, quickly give you a briefing on this one. This is a request, as you said, for uh, consideration of a rezoning outside of city corporate limits. As um, shown here on the map, it's the uh, dashed triangular area, the large pink shaded area is the current corporate boundaries of the city. Um, a fringe area is essentially the two-mile extra-territorial ju- jurisdiction that the state allows us to regulate subdivision activity within. We do that via an agreement with Johnson County called a fringe area agreement. Uh, we have an existing fringe area agreement that's been uh, in effect since 2006. Um, within that two-mile boundary are two different zones, one that is within the city's growth boundary. That's the extent of urban development we expect for a 20-year period and one is uh, the area that is beyond that growth boundary. The fringe area, uh, or fringe agreement is structured to regulate the, the, these two areas within and without a, our growth boundary to different standards. Um, in reviewing the proposed rezonings in, a, in the fringe area, staff does rely on the policies outlined in that fringe area agreement. Um, Those are intended to provide for uh, orderly uh, development outside of city limits with the intention that eventually those areas would be eventually inside city limits and would be uh, prepared for transition to city services, which are a different standard oftentimes than county services. Um, The current property is zoned A, agricultural. It has some minor development on it, uh, farm-related development, grain bins and such. And the proposed rezoning is to um, an R zoning, a county R zoning, which allows for single-family homes on lots of at least 40,000 square feet in size. This would be along American Legion Road, which currently has many residential properties uh, in that vicinity. Um, If the rezoning is approved, the owners intend to develop a uh, seven-lot single-family subdivision. Um, As proposed, each buildable lot is slightly larger than one acre and each lot will have its own septic system and a well system uh, would be installed to serve all of the lots. Uh, There would be an outlot as well. Um, The county recently updated its comprehensive plan and future land use map in their comprehensive uh, plan for this property. Um, um, as a, and designated it as appropriate for residential. Um, the residential land use category allows for single-family detached dwellings with a preferred density of one unit per acre or denser. Although, although the density shown on the concept plan is less than one dwelling per acre, the proposed rezoning is generally consistent with the county's comprehensive plan. Um, Staff does rely, as I said, on the fringe area agreement um, in our review of uh, these applications as they come to us. Um, the, uh, we do recognize that there's a conflict in the existing zoning um, as recommended um, between the county's updated compre- comprehensive plan and our less than updated uh, fringe area agreement. Um, This is coming to you therefore with a recommendation uh, not to be approved by the Planning Commission based on the policies outlined in the Fringe Area Agreement on which we rely to make these um, determinations. Um, We have communicated um, the reasons for this uh, recommendation to county staff and have committed to working with them as they proceed through their Fringe Area Agreement updates. They have several other jurisdictions that they negotiate Fringe Area Agreements with. They're currently updating other uh, agreements with other cities and we know that we would naturally need to. To look at this um, periodically, and it's probably due for that. However, this application is coming through now, so we can simply recommend based on the agreement that we have. I would conclude my report.
0: I'd like to ask you two quick questions. Uh, when was the um, fringe area agreement last negotiated? 2006. Okay, and uh, the um, our growth boundary was based on past growth, right? And, and projected growth both. and But we've seen really substantial growth over the past 10 years. I mean, more than expected, I think. So if we renegotiate this fringe area agreement, will that involve reconsidering the growth boundaries?
11: Yes, it would. The fringe area agreement actually is worded such that we don't automatically adjust that two-mile boundary simply when we adjust our corporate limits, so anytime we've in the past adjusted our corporate limits, we have caused an additional need to evaluate this as well. Yeah, good.
0: I I thought that was the case. Um, And the other is there's a a difference in uh, our, our authority differs with regard to subdivision plants as compared to rezonings, right? So could you explain that sure. difference for our new that's council? Sure, that's true. People? So
11: the state gives us the authority to more strictly regulate subdivisions, but simply have an advisory role on rezonings. Um, there is a different process We, um, when we do a rezoning, as in this case, we simply write a letter to the county with our opinion on it. When a subdivision comes through, we actually conduct a review of it and uh, review uh, as to the design standards that are spelled out in our fringe Area Agreement. So the Fringe Area Agreement has a set of design standards for urban uh, development and rural development, and so slightly more scrutiny for the subdivision. Um, The things that we do look at, though, with subdivisions have more to do with the infrastructure that, once it's in place, are fairly permanent. So road standards and designs to um, uh, infrastructure, primarily.
12: Great, thanks.
0: Any other questions for Danielle?
12: So it's about one home per acre is what we're looking at? Right. Mm-hmm. And I know we don't do, I don't think we have the um, RS6 zoning anymore, but is this about the similar, if this were inside the city limits, this would be a, we don't even do this type of development anymore, It's fairly
11: large, lot, and in other areas of our fringe area agreement, other parts of the fringe area agreement would address when we would allow uh, residential development, encouraging more of a a, a clustering of development. So um, while this area, the fringe area, doesn't even contemplate that, in other areas that we do, we would still want to see a denser development pattern than simply um, a large lot development. Again, the reason we have a fringe area agreement is we have not planned these areas. We've not studied these. We've not developed comprehensive plans that would indicate what kind of development we think is appropriate. This is more of a placeholder or an interim development situation.
0: So maybe you've already said this, but I want to be clear in my own mind. What are the practical consequences of us writing this letter? In in other words, you know, the commission and the board have their own authority and they'll do what they think they need to do. But will they both, are they likely to both approve the application and move ahead with it?
11: I do not uh,
0: And? initiate conversations with us about revising the Fringe Area Agreement?
11: Right. So they have their process, which includes a planning commission making a recommendation and then eventually the board taking an action. If they were to find that they are not likely to agree with the city's position, our Fringe Area does allow for them to offer a consult with us, much like we do with our own planning commission, to resolve any potential conflicts or to attempt to resolve a potential conflict in the Fringe Area Agreement.
0: Okay, doke. Any further questions for Danielle? Thanks so much. Okay, we have a motion on the floor and discuss, council discussion?
12: I'm, I don't like developments like this. I think it's way too low density. I understand that potentially we are just advising them. We don't have the authority to say no, necessarily. But I'm opposed to this. I think if we're serious about climate change, and we're serious about good land use planning, um, I think we need to promote uh, non-car-based, uh, to the extent that we can, um, higher density developments. And I think that this is this particular concept, in my view, is, is really out of date. Um, we don't do this sort of development even anymore. Um, so I'm actually opposed to this. And my vote's going to be no.
0: But I'm a little puzzled by that, Rockney, because what the recommendation is is to oppose yeah. okay. the the, the, re, uh, the proposed rezoning. Okay. So you want to vote yes? Yes. Yeah.
12: I was confused by that. Yeah.
0: Anyone else? Yeah, I'll vote yes. Not
10: not because of what the z- rezoning looks like, but because we need to get the fringe agreement updated. and I think we need to vote, in my opinion, need to vote based upon what our fringe agreement says. And um, so I think we need to, you know, work with the county sooner rather than later since they've changed their comp plan to get this fringe agreement updated.
0: Uh, I do too, but I, I, in principle, I oppose it for on the grounds Rockney just laid out, but I think as a matter, practical matter, we need to oppose it on the fringe area grounds. Yeah. Okay. Uh, hearing no further discussion, roll call please. It's a voice vote. Voice vote. Oh. oh sorry. It says roll call. Error. <laughs> All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed. Motion carries. Item thirteen, council compensation. This is an ordinance amending Title I, Administration, Chapter 5, City Council, Section 3, Compensation of the City Code to Increase the Salary and Health Insurance Benefit of the Mayor and Members of the City Council, effective January the 1st, 2020. This is first consideration. Could I have a motion for first consideration, please? Move first consideration. Second. Moved by Thomas. Second by Cole. Discussion? For the public's benefit, I want to say that we discussed this at length during our October the 2nd work session. Uh, I think it's fair to say I was the person who uh, proposed this uh, change. I proposed mainly for three reasons. First, to enable more people in the community to consider serving on the city council. Second, to bring our uh, council members' salaries and and the mayor's salaries more in line with the other large cities in the state. And third, to provide council members with greater flexibility in accessing health insurance for themselves and for their families. Uh, And a lot of um, uh, our discussion was based on a a memo and a table uh, that Jeff Ruin provided us concerning what other cities in Iowa are doing at least the other ones that are the, the, the tenth largest ten largest plus uh, the two most neighboring cities and all of that was pretty compelling uh, I so uh, that that's the background I uh, just wanted to make sure people watching or, or in the audience would know
12: I, I the think the other, discussion the other key point to emphasize is this Increase will not become effective by state law until the next election, uh, which I think is really important for purposes of accountability. And I think that the legislature obviously had an obvious reason that any time a legislative body has the authority to increase its own wages or its own salary, it should be accountable to the voters uh, in terms of whether they think it's excessive or not. And I think that that's sort of a sound policy. So for those members that are concerned that this is too much, um, anyone that would decide to run again in the future um, would be accountable for that.
0: You know, now that you've said that, Rockney, I I guess I should say what the salary increases are so people might have those numbers in mind. Uh, The ordinance would increase the annual salary of council members to $11,960 per year. Currently, it's, what, something like seven thousand plus seven yeah seven thousand plus and it would increase the mayors to fourteen thousand nine hundred and fifty and I don't know if it's like eighty eight hundred ninety three hundred 9300 around nine thousand dollars right now I, I, I don't remember exactly um, so there there are in those those are basically the increases And uh, the ordinance would also make health insurance benefits available to all council members at the rate offered to half-time city employees. It's basically council members and and the mayor would, if they signed up, would pay half the cost of the health insurance and the city would pay the other half. Okay, so I think that's enough Mm -hmm. background information, right? So council discussion? Hearing none, roll call, please. Salif? Noel Taylor, yes. Teague,
8: yes. Thomas, yes. Brock Martin,
0: yes. Cole, yes. Mims, yes. Motion carries six to one. Item 14 sidewalk retailing permit. This is a, uh, an ordinance amending Title 10 entitled Public Ways and Property, Chapter 3 entitled Commercial Use of Sidewalks to provide for sidewalk retailing every day from March through October. This is first consideration. Could I have a motion, please?
1: So moved. Second.
0: second. Moved by Mem, second by Soleil. Discussion? Hi, Wendy.
1: Hi. Good evening, everybody. I'm Wendy Ford, Economic Development Coordinator and the sidewalk retailing um, issue here is something that was brought forward by the Iowa City Downtown District um, in hopes of changing the days allowable for businesses to use the sidewalk for their business essentially. Um, Changing it from Thursday through Sunday to every day of the week in the same months that they they are now from March 1st to October 31st and from 9 a.m. until 9 p.m. This just makes that available every day on an annual permit basis. Um, this actually follows some of the design uh, study recommendations that were done by Kiku Obado, Obata and Associates, uh, retail consultants that the Iowa City downtown district hired a couple of years ago um, who are in favor of and, and want the town to activate its storefronts. And one of the Ways you can do that is by allowing sidewalk retailing directly adjacent to and in front of those uh, and in front of those stores. Those are my comments on that. If you had any other questions, I'd be happy to answer them.
0: Are there any questions for Wendy? No. Nobody wants to ask you questions.
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get another opportunity, I bet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anybody else want to address this topic? No. Nope. Uh, Council discussion. Hearing none, roll call please. Taylor. Yes. Teague? Yes.
8: Thomas? Yes. Rockmorton? Yes. Cole? Yes. Mims. Yes. Sully?
0: Yes. Motion carries seven to zero. Item fifteen, family and parental leave benefit. This is a resolution authorizing the city manager to provide a family and parental leave benefit to administrative and confidential employees. Could I have a motion to approve, please? Paul. Move by Soleil. Second. Seconded, Seconded by Teague. Mm-hmm. Discussion.
13: Okay what I'm uh, seeking from you tonight is authorization to offer uh, an expanded leave benefit for administrative and confidential employees and uh, that would be those employees that are experiencing birth of a child adoption or serious family medical issues. Uh, so the I'll give you an overview of the mechanics of the uh, policy. It would provide paid leave at 70% of the employees regular wages due to the birth of an adoption uh, of a child birth or adoption of a child, uh, care for a spouse, parent, or child with a serious medical condition. Uh, family and parental leave will be available following the first two weeks of leave, so the employee has to take two weeks of accrued, uh, time, and then will be limited to any, uh, a, t- a total of four weeks over the, uh, any 12-month period. And then employees have the option of supplementing the family family and parental leave with, uh, paid time off or unpaid leave. It's something that, uh, we have been looking at for, uh, a, a couple of years based on some feedback, uh, that we have received from current employees and employees that have participated in, in exit interviews with us. Uh, it, it's not a benefit that's very prevalent in local government now, but I think it's becoming more common in the private sector. We actually modeled our policy, uh, off of a few cities in Ohio that we found have, have offered similar, uh, parental and family leave benefits. Uh, it eases the burden on employees with growing families and families uh, or individuals that are fe- facing serious uh, family medical issues. I think it supports a work-life balance and generally uh, generally will help us uh, get closer to our gender equity goals that we have for our workforce. Uh, There is a financial cost to this. It's not going to increase the budgeted expenses that you see. We budget for 100% of an employee's salary, so you're not going to see a budget increase necessarily, but what this does is it would replace what otherwise would be instances of unpaid leave, with partial pay for up to four weeks. Again, the benefit pays up to four weeks uh, at 70% of the employee's salary. It's hard to gauge exactly uh, how how much, how, how to quantify that. There's a lot of variables that go into that. Across all our employee groups, I would, uh, we estimate that there'd be probably 30 to 40 qualifying events in any given year. And then whether an employee elects to take advantage of this or not, um, you know, is one variable. If they have enough accrued leave, they would probably want to use that leave and and take uh, 100% of the pay, as opposed to 70%. But again, I think this is uh, for us, uh, from where we are in the organization, we think this is an important uh, recruitment and retention tool uh, for our workforce, and seeking your authorization to offer this to employees.
2: A discussion? Uh, yeah, I really just want to say this is really, really good move from the staff uh, to maximize the benefit for the employees, uh, and also setting the example for everyone that, that what the city do for their employees. It is, uh, um, our employees really deserve it. I'm very supporting for this, uh, you know, and I always like to support all the I would like to move for everything that will support all the city employees. I think this is really good, and we're setting the example.
6: I think when you talk about the Family Medical Leave Act, um, this is something that will be uh, in support of while people are away uh, financially. Um, And as far as retention and recruitment, I think that's a great tool um, to have in place. Um, I, I do think that it will... I mean, I don't know how the city will work, but some of these individuals, I understand that we won't be, they'll be getting there already a lot of pay. Uh, but when a staff is gone, someone probably has to do their job. So I, I do think that there may be an increase, and I don't know what that looks like. Uh, maybe somebody else, you know. And that's not my biggest concern. I think overall this is a, I think a great opportunity for city employees.
0: Jeff, did you mention how this is, how this compares to what we do with regard to our uh, our labor unions, employee unions? C-
13: correct. So this is, um, this is a, a benefit that I'm seeking to offer to our administrative and confidential or non-union employees. Uh, this would be a mandatory subject of bargaining for our public safety, uh, unions. Um, uh, we are getting set to negotiate with both of them, so they can certainly um, bring this uh, issue up in our negotiations with them. And then for our non-public safety union, the AFSCME union, um, we would um, engage in discussions with them at such time their
12: their contract came up.
0: Okie doke. Any further council discussion?
12: I just couldn't be more pleased than being able to do this. Not only, I think, is it good for the employees, which we're pleased with, that it will essentially have you know healthy and productive employees, um, but I think it also sets policy innovation that I think we've come to expect with this community, that Iowa City really does need to um, provide that leadership, and I'm hoping that this will be replicated, that the other cities that want to look at doing that will need to look to Ohio, but to be able to look to Iowa City and see the sort of productivity enhancements we get through this uh, humanitarian and caring policy, so major kudos to you, Jeff, for doing that. I agree.
0: Uh, no further discussion. Roll call, please. Teague. Yes. Thomas. Yes. Greg Martin. Yes.
8: Paul? Yes. Mims. Yes. yes. Salee. Yes. Taylor.
0: Yes. Motion carries seven to zero. Item sixteen: Fire Station Number Five Lot Purchase. This is a resolution approving a purchase agreement with Bedrock LLC for lot one of the proposed Cherry Creek subdivision for future use as fire station number five. Could I have a motion to approve, please? So moved. Second. Moved by Thomas, seconded by Mems. Chief Greer, hi. How are you doing today? Pretty good. How about you? We'll see here in a second <laughs> <laughs> if the
14: computer works for me. Hmm. Oh, okay. Excellent. That. As you might expect, uh, Fire Chief John Greer with me, uh, Deputy Fire Chief Eric Nurnberg. Certainly excited to be here to discuss this with you. It's been a long time coming. We've had multiple discussions over the years, so we'll get the uh, first shot out there. This is the lot that we're talking about of the new development down there on South Gilbert Street. It's considered to be lot one. This is a mock-up drawing of what it looks like. This is fire station four's footprint sitting on that lot. So it kind of gives you an idea of how a fire station might be situated on there. So excited to uh, share that information with you. I'll run through some, just some statistics on how we came to just determine this spot would be a viable option for us. This is our estimated four minute response time map from our existing fire stations. The dark is two minutes, the light is four minutes. As you can see, the south side there of town is, has a little bit of lag in our response time, as does the east, but uh, certainly with the development that's anticipated in that area, this would be an excellent spot to uh, locate a fire station. Some of the things that we consider to be challenged are our call volume. I know we spoke in an earlier session about our call volume, and this just to give you a quick overview of where we were, where we're at. We anticipate we'll we'll top 7,000 calls for service this year, and we expect that to continue to grow as the community continues to grow a little bit. The other uh, issue that we have is more folks, more things, more calls. So we do have some overlapping incidents. And what that does is it takes the first due available unit out of the district so that there's not another, uh, There's we don't house two in all of our sub-fire stations. So we need to have that call covered. So having a station down at this location in the future would also help with some of that infill. So you can see, the numbers have kind of increased over the years. The final thing is the travel time map. What I did is we just put 2017's calls to show where they were located in relation to the fire stations. And again, it's just outside the four-minute response that we try to uh, adhere to. So the potential benefits that we see is that it will help us enhance services to all of Iowa City. And in the event of those overlapping calls, at station from this location, especially with the... the uh, McAllister Boulevard being completed in the future will help us go east-west and come to the Central District. And this would allow for future looking to relocate Fire Station 3 also to a little more east and north. This is a mock-up map of our best guess of travel times with that station plotted. So, again, that's the the lot we'd like to purchase. We hope that you agree. And if you have any questions, I'd be happy to answer them.
0: Any questions for Chief? Boy, you're going to get away (laughs) scot-free. I like it. Mm. (laughs) All right, any council discussion?
13: Mayor, if I can just mention, this uh, purchase agreement has several conditions uh, attached to it. Uh, Perhaps most notably is the approval of the rezoning, uh, and that will be coming to you probably in a few months. Uh, I think there's been a good neighbor meeting scheduled uh, in that neighborhood, and then it's got to go to planning and zoning and ultimately uh, get your uh, approval. And then there's uh, a lot of requirements for the developer to, to build infrastructure. So the price reflects a fully developed kind of shovel-ready, if you will, site, and it's obviously not in that condition now. So uh, with your approval tonight, we, th- we would have the purchase agreement signed, but we probably won't close until about this time next year.
0: So, Jeff, there, there are clear implications downstream with regard to capital improvement, our cap- capital improvements program, and our annual budget, at least as I can look at it. Capital improvement, meaning we got to pay for the new fire station at some point. And then if we have a new fire station, that implies additional staff to staff the fire station, right? So I'm sure that's being taken into account.
13: The is more difficult. Um, I, I can build the station, you know, in a five-year plan fairly easily, but um, staffing it is, is tough. Um, when you get your budget in, in January, you won't see uh, staffing proposed for this fire station. Uh, we don't anticipate that, that we'll be opening this station in the next five years. We do think it's just an opportune time before the area Develops more that w- that we secure the parcel that we want, um, so it's not it's not imminent. And uh, as the chief alluded to, what we would probably look to do as well as the same time we open Station Five is to push Station Three further out to the east to cover some of the growth area out le- out, out east that we currently uh, don't serve within our travel time standards right now.
6: Is it true to say that if this land was purchased and let's say five years, uh, we decide that? you know, the station. We don't want it there for whatever reason. Um, the land can be used for something different.
13: Correct. Or Presumably it would one. be zoned public, so we could use it for another public purpose, or we could uh, go through a rezoning process and rezone it to some other uh, private use and, and sell the parcel. Uh, so yes, we're not you're, you're not committing it until you actually vote on the, the hiring of the officers and the and the uh, construction of the station, but as of today, we think this is a a very a very good strategic location for the for the future fire service needs in our community.
0: Any further discussion?
2: I just think this is yeah, it's very good for public safety practice, you know. I, I'm for it, yeah.
0: Okay. Hearing no further discussion, roll call, please. Thomas. Yes. Brock Yes. Cole.
6: Yes.
8: Mims. Yes. Salee. Yes. Taylor. Yes. Teague.
6: Yes.
0: Motion carries seven to zero. Item seventeen: Annual Urban Renewal Report. This is a resolution approving the fiscal year ending 2018 annual Urban Renewal Area Report. So moved. Second. second. Moved by Mims. Second by Thomas. Discussion. Wendy, you again.
1: Hello again, again, Wendy Ford, Economic Development. one of the reasons your packet was so long today is because there were 57 pages of the annual urban renewal report included in it. And this is a, a required report to the state of Iowa, which is um, actually web-based. It's it's online, uh, or will be online shortly after it's approved. Um, and it, what it does is it looks back at all of the areas that have been established, all of the urban renewal and TIF areas that have been established.
0: Okay, we just got tossed from our horse, and now we're back in the saddle.
1: (laughs) Uh, Okay, well, my only comment was, um, while that large document is somewhat hard to get an idea of what it's actually saying, I also included in your packet... Uh, a chart that helps with the big picture on uh, tax increment financing in our projects and what it does is show the increase in value over the years of the projects that the city has assisted with tax increment financing. We started our first one in 2001 and since then all the projects that we've assisted with TIF have added more than $140 million worth of new taxable value to the city. So that's my main comment. Comment on that. That's the big takeaway that goes with the annual urban renewal report.
0: Any questions for Wendy?
1: I just want to ask you: Is there is a,
2: You know, to tell you the truth, this is complicated for me when I start reading it, and I just I have to tell you the truth, I haven't even go all the way down because I start like. Get being off. And uh, I just want to ask you like, some question. Is, it, there is I know there is some condition supposed to be attached to each one, uh, like a job, uh, you know, requirement of job inside, or something like. Those kind of conditions.
1: Yes, there are. Um, with, with each uh, project the city approves, uh, there's some degree of public benefit that you all weigh in your decision to fund these or not. And I guess my question will
2: be uh, Are all of the conditions attached to these TIFs being met, like usually?
1: Yes. Every year we have to certify that the conditions that were agreed to are are being upheld. And if they are, then we continue with the agreement and disperse funds as agreed. Sure. Yeah, that's the only question I have. Okay.
0: Any further discussion or questions for Wendy? Thank you, Wendy. Council discussion?
15: Pretty significant
10: increase in taxable valuation with these projects. And, and I think lots of other benefits, I think, with the Sycamore Mall, Iowa City Marketplace, trying to maintain that as a vibrant retail um, is really important for that south side of Iowa City. Um, some of these, few of them do involve involve jobs, particularly the Heinz Road uh, projects have involved jobs. So, um, I, I think we do a very good job, and we're very cautious and judicious with our use of TIF in Iowa City, and I think we get good return in many different ways, not just increased taxable value.
0: Uh, one example of that, Susan, I think, is Sycamore Mall, which you mentioned. Mm-hmm. It seems to me it's doing pretty darn well it is. right now. Uh, that, at least that's the way it looks every time I go out there and see yep. cars in the parking lot and that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Any further discussion? Hearing none, roll call, please. Martin Yep. Cole?
8: Yes. Mims? Yes. yes. Salee. Yes. Taylor? Yes. Teague? Yes. Thomas?
0: Yes. Motion carries 7-0. to zero. Item 18. This is the, the Joe and Andre <laughs> motion. <laughs> I'm only kidding. <laughs> Uh, Eng- this has to do with the uh, Englert Film Scene Capital Campaign. It's a resolution approving a grant agreement for the Strengthen, Grow, Evolve Capital Campaign supporting the Ingert Theater and Film Scene. So I have a motion?
3: Hmm.
1: Second.
0: Uh, to approve, uh, moved by Mem, seconded by Soleil. Wendy? Discussion?
1: Good evening. The Englert and film scene, film scene have formed a joint venture called Strengthen, Grow, Evolve, and they've embarked on a $10 million capital campaign to do just that, Strengthen, Grow, and Evolve. They have requested $1 million from the city for the Strengthen component, which includes improvements at both venues, the historic Englert Theater, and the Packing and Provisions building in which Film Scene is located. There are three components to this. I'll tell you a little bit about the other uh, couple as well. The grow components include outfitting the new film scene theaters, education outreach and ramping up of familiar festivals we know, Mission Creek, the Refocus Film Festival, and The Witching Hour. The Evolve component involves or includes starting a downtown artist residency house, a local arts incubation project, and an arts alliance initiative, among other things. But the Strengthen component is the one that they've asked for assistance from the city. That includes, a 5.1, that includes $5.1 million in physical improvements to the historic venues. Approximately $4.9 million, that's almost all of it, would go towards the historic renovations at the Englert, including the marquee, facade, windows, interiors, and roof, and upgrades to seating, sound, and lighting. Upgrades at scene one, film scene, at the packaging and provisions venue include sound, hearing-assisted sound, new seating, and projection equipment, and those uh, improvements total approximately $165,000. The distribution of the city's $1 million would reflect the relative differences as well and instructs the joint venture to distribute 83% of the funds to the Englert and 17% to the film scenes, packaging, and provisions venue. To fund the $5.1 million in improvements, they're working on a package of historic pre- uh, tax credits that would bring approximately $1.7 million to the project with private donations of more than 2.4 million, along with a grant from the city of a million dollars. We've been working with the staff from both organizations for nearly two years on this, uh, as they prepare their capital campaign, um, and they've worked with the historic tax credit uh, folks, the architects, and everybody else. We've been working on um, getting the timing just right for this request. Um, and the time is now. You've actually been aware of this since uh, your budgeting of the fiscal year 18 budget when when uh, we had 500,000, the first year's worth, or the first half of the $1 million in the budget. That was never distributed, but it was carried over. So um, now what we'd like to do is begin the process, get this agreement uh, uh, agreed to, and uh, what we we would do is have two installments of $250,000 each yet this fiscal year and two more in fiscal 20. Um, the funds, then, can be sourced from the downtown urban renewal area tax increment, which this year alone has approximately $8.9 million of increment available for use in it. Even with a request for the Englert's $1 million in there, we would only need to use a total of $1.6 million of the $8.9 million available. Andre, uh, Perry and Joe Tiefenteller are both here, along with, um, Amy Haspidarski from, uh, one of the boards. And, um, I, uh, open the, uh, floor to questions, either for me or for them.
0: Questions for Wendy?
4: or?
2: When you say, like, 8.9 million available in increment, and we're gonna use 1.6 million of this. What do you mean? What do you mean by that? I really don't understand it. Like,
1: it means that um, the the taxable value that the city could tap for uh, use in a TIF project equals eight point nine million. Uh-huh. Now it's important to also know that we the city also counts on a good portion of that $8.9 million for general operating expenses. So it behooves us to manage the use of that very judiciously. And this would, uh, this request would bring our need of the $8.9 million up to $1.6 million. Okay. You mean, that's where it come from.
4: Right yes. from that. Yeah.
1: And it's not sitting in an account somewhere right now. This is uh this is the an annual amount that's available because of the increase in property value since the base value was set back in two thousand and one. When you say it's not sitting there
2: somewhere. You mean the eight point nine is not sitting somewhere. It's not in an account anywhere, no. Okay, and how we're we gonna give out like this money if the money is not sitting somewhere? What
1: what we have to do, the mechanics of it, are we make a promise. For example, we say we're going to provide a a grant to the Englert. Then we have to certify uh, debt with the county auditor, the taxing entity. And then they actually collect the taxes and then distribute them back to the city. Okay. And is this something we can do? only for this kind of things, or for any, any other? Uh, This is the same source of funding used for our, the TIF projects that we have downtown right now. So um, the Chauncey uh, is one, the Park at 201 was one, any of the projects that we've assisted uh, downtown anyway have come from the same uh, available source of tax increment financing. And it should be only downtown. In this case, right, but downtown is one of... Thirteen districts we have now. Sure. Yeah. And all of them could have the same thing because you said in
2: earlier there is thirteen districts. <coughs> whatever. I don't know.
8: All of it has. All of them have different urban renewal plans, yes. and you can only spend the money in ways that are authorized by the urban renewal plan. And each urban area, it has their own a policy, a separate plan and separate right. plan. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. Good to know. Mm-hmm hmm that's what I really... And and when are we going
1: to pay that? Uh, that would... The, the agreement that that you have in your packet uh, has two payments yet this fiscal year and would have two payments in uh, fiscal 20. 20. Okay, two twenty. 2020. All right. That's all
2: I have.
0: Okay. Any other questions for Wendy or for Joe or Andre or... Amy, right?
10: I don't have any questions. I just want to say, what a Thanks, Wendy. what a great job that I think Andre and Joe and their staff and boards have done in kind of pulling together this collaboration to really help the arts um, in Iowa City and to make sure that we're maintaining these historic buildings and at the same time um, upgrading the the infrastructure they need for their performances and things like that, whether it's lighting and sound and those sorts of things. Um, and just the the outreach, the free events, the reaching out to members of the community that oftentimes wouldn't go to those things. So it's it's much bigger than just fixing up the buildings. It's, it's a huge collaboration. This piece is only for the capital part of it. There, that whole other piece is mm-hmm. for that... Grow and Evolve or Evolve and Grow. Which I forget. <laughs> <laughs> evolve. I think it's Strengthen, Grow, Evolve. Okay. So, yeah, they've got a whole plan. It's great. It's great for our community, and they just do a fantastic job. So happy to support it.
15: I would have to agree with Susan. I'd actually, after all these years, gone to my first movie at the film scene uh, downtown, and it was it was an amazing experience. I would encourage anybody that has not done that to, to go there. It's mm-hmm. just, it's it's, it's different than going into a regular theater, and I Against regular theaters, but it's just an amazing experience, and, and of course the Englert, I've been to many events there, and they're they're just both real jewels right there in our downtown area. And uh, whatever we can do to um, preserve this bit of history for Iowa City, I'm, I'm in favor of it. Uh, I agree too. You know, uh, my
2: question doesn't mean anything really, like opposing this or anything. You know, but the opposite completely. I like it and. Uh, I work many times with Andrew and some people on in the Ingress theaters because I, I start seeing them really reaching out to many different communities, trying to introduce a film scene to them. And now a lot of people start knowing about it. And it is really awesome. And I'm very support to that. My question just was. I see the cities they done very good job in budgeting one million dollars to do this, so we can do the same thing in something else. That's what the only question I was relating, but I'm um, support for this. Yeah.
6: I'm actually to see that the Englert is, you know, going to continue um, to revitalize this building. Uh, I actually saw Mrs. Doubtfire there, (laughs) as well as um, uh, the Titanic. Both of those I cried (laughs) through. (laughs) Well, at least Doubtfire at the end, and then Titanic was a hard one for me to get through. But um, so I've seen the revitalization of the Englert into the theater and the things that they do. So I think this is a great opportunity uh, for our community. Yeah
12: well, The other thing I wanted to emphasize as really pleased in the Economic Development Committee meeting, Englert's also hiring a community outreach coordinator, which I think is, you know, one of our concerns is, is to provide a lot of the benefits that we see downtown, but really to have that outreach component. I know that that's always been core of your mission, um, but with resources now, you're able to, they won't fund the community outreach coordinator, but I just wanted to emphasize, it's a real positive development, because we want to make sure that the benefits that we have downtown are extended throughout, and, and that's really part of their planning. I think it's terrific. Susan, you had mentioned the free events. Mm-hmm. They've also done a fantastic job of balancing the pay events with the free events, and free events, as we know, aren't free, and so like, kudos to them. And finally, I think they've done some great work in terms of racial justice. I mean, they're really central to bringing in common. Mm-hmm. Um, and wow, that was really a, an amazing event that I was able to participate in. So, you know, sometimes as city councilors, the best thing we can do is just get out of the way. And I think with what you guys do down there, I think that's really what our, our objective is, and, and assist you when we can. Yep.
16: John, do you want to say anything? Yeah, I, uh, certainly the Ingler um, the and film scene, you guys are, are doing great work. Uh, the programming is just outstanding. Uh, and this is such a, a beautifully conceived program. You know, historic credits, uh, the, the private fundraising, and the city's contribution. So it's a really kind of model approach, in my view, in terms of fundraising.
0: Andre, if you ever want a photograph of the ingerts last day uh, before it, the renovation started, I, I have one. I, I took it on uh, uh, December the 31st, 1999. Just getting ready to take off somewhere else. Anyhow, I'm not going to repeat what everybody said. What they said, I agree with. Great job. No further discussion? Hearing none. Roll call, please. Cole? Yes. Mims?
8: Yes. Salee. Yes. Taylor? Yes. Teague? Yes. Thomas? Yes.
0: Yes. <clears throat> yes. Motion carries 7-0. to zero. Annual TIF, uh, item 19, Annual TIF Certification Filing. This is a resolution directing the filing of TIF certification under Iowa Code Section 403.19, for the 2018 end-of-year certification of urban renewal projects. Could I have a motion, please? Moved, Second. Moved by second Seconded by MIMS. Discussion. Wendy.
1: Hello again. Every year, the city is required to file an annual TIF debt certification with the county auditor, and it's a little simpler than that last group of forms uh, that you saw. There are simply three forms, uh, included, all included in your packets. Uh, one certifies new debt. Uh, another changes an amount of debt that has already been certified, and the third decertifies uh, the need to... Uh, uh, divert any of the tax increment for any of our projects. Those are my only comments, but I'd be happy to answer questions.
0: Thank you, Wendy. Council discussion? No. Hearing none, roll call, please. M's Yes.
8: Sally. Yes. Taylor? Yes. Teague? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Todd Morton?
0: Yes. Cole? Yes. Motion carries 7-0. Item 20, assessment schedule. This is a resolution adopting an assessment schedule of unpaid mowing, cleanup property, cleanup of property, snow removal, sidewalk repair, and stop-box repair charges and directing the clerk to certify the same to the Johnson County treasurer for collection in the same manner as property taxes could I have a motion please so moved second moved by thomas second by Mims. discussion
2: i just really want to ask a question you know whoever the staff maybe you know the amount is 134.20 is there is any reason the owner does not want to pay that? Is this like uh, really he have financial problem or w- w- is something going on here
8: that we don't know of? For we don't we don't have any idea what the reason for this is. Um, the property owner has been notified that the debt is due. Um, and of the possibility of a of a lien on the property, and we've not heard anything from him. Just, I a, think anybody. prior
2: before we assess, I think I, the accounting department sends out. It's at least three statements. Yeah. Before we we do. Like this. he he uh, whoever the owner did not come forward and say maybe I need like payment arrangement or maybe I need this or this. Nothing. You didn't hear anything from them from him or. Uh,
8: Right. And sometimes at these hearings we usually have a lot more than just one oh. um, but sometimes at these hearings somebody will come forward and say there was an issue and then the council's practice is to defer that, get some information from staff and deal with it the next time. So if it, he had the oppor- he or she or whoever the property owner is had the opportunity to come tonight say something.
0: Okay. Any further discussion? Hearing none, roll call, please.
8: Salee, Yes. Taylor? Yes. Teague? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Throgmorton? Yes. Cole? Yes. Mims? Yes.
0: Motion carries 7-0. Item 21, announcement of vacancies, new. Applicants must reside in Iowa City and be 18 years of age unless specific qualifications are stated. For the Airport Zoning Commission, we have one vacancy to fill an unexpired term upon appointment. And, all right, so I'm just announcing that. Uh, the correspondence is included in the packet. I guess we need a motion to accept correspondence. Could I have a motion, please? So moved. So, moved by okay. Cole, seconded by Taylor. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all in favor, say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. The Applications for that position must be, must be received by 5 p.m. Tuesday, December 11th, 2018. All right, let's see. Item 22, announcement of vacancies previous. Again, applicants must reside in Iowa City and be 18 years of age unless specific qualifications are stated. We have one vacancy to fill a five-year term on the airport zoning board of adjustment, one vacancy to fill a five-year term on the board of adjustment, one vacancy to fill a five-year term on the board of appeals, HVAC or Building Professional required. Three vacancies to fill three-year terms on the Human Rights Commission. Two vacancies to fill four-year terms on the Parks and Recreation Commission. One vacancy to fill an unexpired term upon appointment to the Public Art Advisory Committee. One vacancy to fill a three-year term on the Public Art Advisory Committee and one vacancy to fill a three-year term on the Senior Center Commission. Applications for those positions must be received by 5 p.m. Tuesday, November the 13th, 2018. We also have two vacancies to fill five-year terms on the Airport Zoning Board of Adjustment, one vacancy to fill a three-year term on the Historic Preservation Commission for the East College Street District, one vacancy to fill a three-year term on the Historic Preservation Commission for the Jefferson Street District, and one vacancy to fill a three-year term on the Telecommunications Commission. These vacancies will remain open until filled. Item 23, community comment. Gustav, do you want to say something?
17: Stuart oh, that was loud. Um, student liaison. So, as it currently stands, it is about 8:25. So, if you're watching Channel 4 and you have not voted, I encourage you to vote. It's, you have until 9 p.m. You can check your um, where your your poll location is online. It's easy. Go for it. Um, and then I also wanted to say, uh, like what the student said earlier, um, one, one through the renters guide uh, survey and whatnot. One of the things. That we um, found out was that 51% of um, students, um, at least according to this uh, survey, signed their lease November or before, um, which which is just, yeah. Um, But that's just putting kind of like the statistics to the qualitative um, information. Anyways, thank you.
0: With regard to your advice to fellow students and, and voting, did I hear you say run, don't walk?
17: I'm awful. Well, <laughs> yeah, let's go for that, yes. As long as you're doing it safely and you don't get hurt, make sure you stretch before and after. <laughs>
4: yeah.
0: All right, thanks. Item 24, city council information. Maybe we could start with somebody. Who are we going to start with here? Uh, maybe we could start with Bruce and move to the right.
6: All right. Sounds perfect. Um, and so that I'm clear, <laughs> this is just talking about things that I've done and things that are upcoming. You know, like, I mean, like playing basketball a couple days yeah, ago. Yeah, so absolutely. So... Um, I was able to attend the Human Rights Awards breakfast, um, uh, which was an awesome and an awesome and amazing event. Mm-hmm. I also um, went to assistance a Sisters of Care meeting uh, the same day and did a shelter house tour on the same day. So three events in a day. It was pretty awesome. Um, I. Um, I went to the to Support Trans Lives, Don't Erase Me, and that was downtown at the Pentacrest. And actually, um, at the end of that, um, Kurt Fries walked me uh, kind of from the center of the Crest all the way to the end of that, um, the street there. And we had an awesome conversation, which was, uh, for me, pretty special um, because potentially, I'm not sure if he went anywhere else, but I could have been the last person that he saw um, that night. And he was there um, supporting uh, trans lives as well. And so and we learned of his death the next day on um, Friday, the, the October 26th. So um, hats off to Kurt uh, and um, his memory and the things that he did for us uh, in this community. Uh, Friday night um, on the... Um, 26th as well, um, I attended, um, the NAACP Freedom Fund Banquet, where Chief Matherly was honored, and he received a social, a social justice award from the Iowa City NAACP, and that was held at the Unitarian Universalist Society. Um, and then Susan and, uh, Mayor, um, we were at the South District Neighborhood Association, on Saturday, uh, 1027, um, to listen to, uh, some of the current concerns that they have in that neighborhood. Uh, ironically, they'll be meeting again, uh, monthly on the first Wednesdays of every month. Um, and so the next one will be tomorrow night at 6 p.m., and it's going to be at the, Broadway Center, um, and I do plan to attend. Um, other than that, um, I plan to meet with the Dream Center on the 12th of November, just to learn more about their program. Yeah, very good. Oh, one last thing: Iowa City Employee Appreciation is going to be coming up on the 15th of November, and I'm excited to be a part of that as well. Very good,
0: Maj? I, I really
2: don't have anything. It was. It was really like starting the week of, you know, the, the day that I heard about card phrase It became like it was really tough for me to just, real, you know, try to process that information. I just figured out that, like, really we handle this differently from culture to culture, and I just learned a lot of, yeah, like, new things to me. About the deaths in this country, or in the American cultures, you know, or different cultures. I ask a lot of questions, so I can, you know, yes, like deal with this. But I met Carter. Last thing was on the human right. We said the same table with the city manager and some other people, and I learned like two days later about that, which is really. Uh, I guess from here I wanna. Say sorry to the family and everyone on the community who love Kurt Fries. and we're gonna continue his legacy. Anyway, that's all I have. I I don't even remember anything else. Yeah, we have news base for C W J. Yes, yes, oh, that's that, nice. that's, good that's good news. Yeah. Uh you know, sure. and uh we just moved uh starting November first and this is uh our new place is fifteen fifty six South First Avenue, uh unit number C. Um anyone is welcome to come and visit.
12: Very good. Rockney One of the programs that I'm most proud of that the council has uh, begun to implement is our racial justice, our social justice and racial equity grant, and uh, we're going to be our human rights commission is going to be evaluating that um, here shortly. And there's two educational sessions that are offered so people can sort of know how to apply for this and what the criteria are. And so um, there'll be two sessions that will be offered Tuesday, November 13th. Uh, from 12 to 1.15 p.m. at City Hall, Emma Harvot Hall, right here. And the other one is Tuesday, November 13th, from 5.30 p.m. to 6.45 p.m. You know, our goal of this program is to activate as much programming as we can with both new organizations as well as more established organizations. And the goal of this event is to ensure that people are targeting their request to have the highest likelihood that hopefully um, they'll be one of the um, organizations that will be selected. Uh, wanted to let everyone know about some upcoming events. That we're in holiday season now. Um, the Iowa City Holiday Market's going to be taking place, 2018. Mark your calendars for this. Um, the Iowa City Holiday Market will be taking place from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Saturday, November uh Seventeenth and Saturday, December eighth, at the Robert A Recreation Center, two twenty South Gilbert Street. So those are two of the events, and I wanted to also follow up uh, regarding the death of Kurt Michael Freese. Um, you know, uh, elected leaders. We see each other very frequently for our joint meetings. Um, we have a lot of policy uh, discussions. And I know, Bruce, you remember when we were at the labor event, um, Kurt was one of those guys. I, I know my friend uh, Monique Galpin, he was one of those guys when there's a big event, I would always go and talk to Kurt because he would always have a great conversation. He'd always have a lot of laughs. Um, Kurt was a guy after my old heart. He uh, he liked to laugh at his own jokes. and uh, But he also just had this sort of brimming sense of life uh, with everything that he did, uh, whether it's local foods, whether it's the small business uh, that he was able to establish, which as we know in this in this market, it's a very difficult thing to do to start a successful restaurant. Um, so I, I think Kurt was one of those unique people that could really combine both his passion for social justice, but also he had that pragmatic business sense. Now I also remember, as our um, county evaluated the minimum wage, uh, Kurt was one of the first business leaders to speak out and really support that. And, and I think that that meant a lot to a lot of people. Uh, his contributions, you could go on all night talking about the impact that he made. Um, his presence will remain with our community for a long time. And when you think slow foods in the city of Iowa City, you think Kurt Michael Fries. When you think uh, local economic development, you think Kurt Michael Fries. When you think innovation and entrepreneurship, you think Kurt Michael Freeze, so, uh, And to his family, um, his loving wife, um, it, it's just been a very difficult time for them. and. Um, You know, our our thoughts and prayers are with that family. And and I'm hoping that uh, they'll reach out to their friends and family. I know that they have this loving network behind them, Taylor and Devin and Kim. It's it's just been a very difficult process, I know, and uh, uh, very difficult for all of us. So I think it's a reminder for all of us to, um, you know, seize each day and um, to celebrate uh, the wonderful leaders that we have and the life that they've lived. So um, love you, Kurt.
16: Uh, just to uh, follow up on that h r c awards be- breakfast that 's one of my favorite events um, it 's really just uh so gratifying to see what what folks are doing and being acknowledged for and it 's a early morning event. What does it start at seven o'clock hours. or something <laughs> which is is sort floor. of especially at this time of year it 's sort of you're you 're getting out in darkness but uh, once you 're once there i don 't know there 's something Okay, that's kind of fun about being there so early. And it's a very well-paced event. Um, just a wonderful thing. And then, of course, uh, of course, Kurt's death uh, I, you know, really shook the community. There just wanted to mention the beautiful memorial to him at the Englert last Saturday uh, was really a special opportunity to, to, um, for people to speak about Kurt's story. Which which did reach in so many different directions.
4: Susan.
10: Yeah, I really don't have anything. I mean, I think everybody's kind of hit on all the bases as we've gone around. So I'll just say thanks for everything.
15: You. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I've got a list of things. It was very been a very busy last couple of weeks. Uh, uh, of course, the, the toughest was was um, uh, Kurt passing, and uh, as John said, it, it, the Englert, uh, we talked about it earlier, what a wonderful place it is, and, and it was a beautiful tribute to him, and was Pact House, which uh, just showed how the community cared about him, so he will be missed. Um, but events, it was, as I said, very busy. Uh, back on the 17th of October, uh, Planned Parenthood had an open house and was very well attended. It, it's uh, They've got wonderful, very caring staff. It's really a great resource for this community. Uh, that Friday, the VA Annex ribbon cutting. The mayor was invited to say a few words at that. Um, I, I just see it as a shining example of how uh, a building could be repurposed. The first floor has just some beautiful exam rooms. I would encourage everybody to go and just see how they've redone that. It just uh, does not uh, uh, look like the post office anymore at all there. It's it's just a very well-designed space. Uh, Of course, the Human Rights Breakfast, uh, congrats to the well-deserved recipients. It uh, goes to show that uh, we are blessed in this community with a lot of people and a lot of organizations that that really care about uh, the well-being of of all persons in this community. Uh, Then on uh, the 25th, the Thursday of the 25th, the Hyatt ribbon cutting. Again, the Mayor was asked to say a few words at that. Did a good job. Uh, I enjoyed that event, and it was nice to be able to tour the facility and actually see it, as I've been watching it be built and uh, never saw the inside. And um, it is a very nice structure that kind of fills a space that was empty for a long time. And the rooms are really beautifully designed, and most have a floor-to-ceiling uh, view of, of the entire city, uh, depending on which section of the building you have your room in. It's a very and then there, nice. And
0: there's so. the swimming pool.
15: And the swimming pool is beautiful. And Yes, it's beautiful. Very nice. And it's kind of nice how it overlooks the rise then with the uh, little patio in between. So congrats to everyone that was involved in that development. Very nice. Um, and then a fun event uh, Friday the 26th. Uh, my daughter and I participated in the Friday Shop Crawl, which was downtown. Um, it was a really fun way to showcase the downtown uh, businesses. And despite how it was kind of cool and damp because you had to walk outside between the, uh, all the businesses, uh, uh, it was. Was well attended and folks, including myself, for making some purchases downtown. So uh, I think it was good for the downtown district. I wish Nancy was still here so she could kind of speak to that. But uh, I look forward to other events downtown like that. Uh, and then uh, upcoming, of course, a lot of Veterans Day uh, events. And on Saturday, mm-hmm. uh, a friend is a veteran. So I was invited to go along to uh, watch the game at Kinnick up in the press box. They had a special veterans event for, for veterans. So uh, it was well planned, and it included a way <coughs> towards the Children's Hospital on a flyover with uh, with planes, and uh, just a nice way to acknowledge veterans of, of all ages. And on that note, uh, uh, remind folks that uh, uh, the city has a Veterans Day schedule on Monday, myself included. That's usually my trash day, so I've got to remember that I've got to take it out on Tuesday, so uh, remind folks of some of the closures in the city for that. And also on that note, um, there's a Veterans for Peace ceremony at 1045 in the morning on the Pentecost uh, Sunday morning uh, that they have every year, so that's all
0: Okay, well that's a lot Yes Uh, I I don't want to repeat what everybody said about Kurt Uh, you all spoke very eloquently about uh, that fine man Uh, and the, the main thing I think about, and I don't know if it's true for you all but it seemed to me last week was emotionally really hard really hard. Not just because Kurt died so suddenly and unexpectedly but because of the events in Pittsburgh where 11 Jewish people were yes. assassinated basically at, uh, in their synagogue and two African-American people were killed down in my home, old hometown of Louisville, Kentucky. It was just a very hard week. Uh, but here we are. Maybe it'll get better. <laughs> I hope it will. Let me mention a few things I've done. Uh, as, as some of you have already mentioned the various things I've been involved in, but I attended the Community Foundation of Johnson County's Grant Awards Luncheon on the 17th of October. Attended the Immigrant and Refugee Association's annual dinner on the 27th up in Cedar Rapids, and uh, Rockney did as well. Maz, were you there? I'm trying to remember. You no, no, you couldn't I be there. No,
4: I
2: couldn't.
0: My yeah. child at lunch with Mayors Lundell and Donahue on the 30th, and I think there's some good news that will be coming out of that, not because we met over lunch, but from some things I heard at the lunch, and maybe we'll hear from Jeff about that soon, I hope. I don't want to spill the beans. Uh, Later that night, I spoke at the vigil held at the U of I's IMU for the 11 Jewish people killed at the Tree of Life Synagogue. And the people killed in Louisville. That was, there, there was a, it was a wonderfully moving event, involving I'd guess three or four hundred people filling the IMU. And the last part of it, everybody held candles, you know, and none of them were lit. <laughs> it's so funny. I thought I was holding a real candle, and I turned around to ask somebody to light my candle. <laughs> no, you got to flick the switch, Jim. So anyhow, but it was quite a moving event. On the 1st and the 3rd of November, I attended the Vigil and Celebration of Life for Kurt. And yeah, very moving. Tomorrow, sorry, I have to wake up at 5 in the morning and depart for a three-day trip to Los Angeles for the National League of Cities City Summit. I'm looking forward to that. On the 12th, I'll be in prison again, this time to witness the Soweto Gospel Choir join the Oakdale Community Choir in an afternoon concert. That should be great fun. On the 13th, Susan and I will be meeting with members of the Old Town Village Homeowners Association, learning about matters of concern to them. Yeah, CVB board meeting on the 15th. Things move along. So that's what I'm up to. Jeff? Nothing tonight. Ashley?
8: I'll just say that we're starting to talk about the U.S. Census uh, 2020 and we held a couple of meetings last week. They were small but had some good conversations and you will see more information uh, soon as we, as we get it about the
11: census. So
0: that's it. Okie doke. Eleanor? Yeah. Nothing going? Okay. I think we're done. Could I have a motion to adjourn to the work session? So moved. Second. Moved by Thomas, seconded by Cole. All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. We are adjourned to the work session.